If you would to <clears throat> Isaiah chapter 28. Isaiah chapter 28. Now, those of you that were here last week know that I preached the wrong sermon last week. <laughs> well, let me let me rephrase that. And uh, I I preached the me- I didn't preach the wrong message uh, last week. I preached the message I thought I was supposed to preach today last week. So you're getting what I thought this morning should have been last week's message. Anyway, I think you'll figure it out. You know, there was a God thing, right? Amen. Um, but <laughs> uh, but at least we have slides for you this week. <laughs> Isaiah chapter 28. And last uh, two weeks ago, <clears throat> we introduced the, the new theme for the year, a uh, firm foundation. And, uh, uh, you know, there's an incredible truth that we're going to see this morning. And I hope that it is as clear to you as it is to me. And, th- and that is this. We all have a foundation, a spiritual foundation in our lives. Every single one of us. God does not tell us to build a a foundation in your life. That's, That's not what he says. He says to build your life on the right foundation. So the implication of that is really pretty clear. You have two choices. You can either build your life on the right foundation or the wrong foundation. It's, 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 really, it's really that simple. And this morning we're going to be talking about building it on the right foundation. Choices that we make determine the foundation that we build our lives on. And God has given all of us the ability to make choices. That is the one thing that truly separates humans from the rest of his creation, is the fact that we have the ability to choose how we're going to live our lives. Choosing our, choosing our lives to be built on the proper foundation Everyone, every one of us will build your life. Some of us are going to make mistakes. Well, let me rephrase that. We are all going to make mistakes along the way. Okay? But the, the important part of the process is not the actual building itself. It is the foundation in which you build it. Because if your foundation is strong, the building will survive. It's those choices. Let me illustrate it to you this way. This is the easiest way that I can illustrate it. In Joshua chapter 24, um, verse 15, it says, "And, And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve 
whether the gods which are uh, which your father served, which were on the uh, other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And Joshua here is giving the children of Israel a choice. Either you're going to do right or you're going to do wrong. It's, it, that's the choice. And in Isaiah chapter 28, we're going to see that God pretty much gives us the same choices. Joshua says, hey, you're either going to serve the gods of your fathers or you're going to serve the God of heaven. But you will serve one or the other. There is no neutral. There is no, there is no, no place to say, well, I'm just going to be neutral in all this and I'm not going to serve any God. It doesn't work that way. You'll serve one or the other. And the same principle is true in the foundations that we build our lives on. Either you're going to build your life on the foundation of the things of this world through, through human wisdom and knowledge or human emotion, or you're going to build your life on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. In Matthew chapter 7, in, in verse 24 and following, and this is a parable that we're going to look into a lot deeper later on, but I just want to kind of throw this out here to kind of show you that Jesus is giving us two choices here. Therefore, whosoever heareth these words of mine and doeth them is likened unto him uh, unto a wise man which buildeth his house on a rock, and the rains descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon the house, and it fell not. Let me let me stop right there. Why did the house not fall? Because the house was constructed well? No, because of the foundation the house was sitting on. For it was founded upon a rock. And every one that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not is shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the, and the rains descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon the house and it, and it, and it fell and great was the fall of it. Again, it, it, the, the structure itself didn't matter. It was the foundation in which the structure was built upon. And Jesus says, says very clearly here, you, have, you are either going to build your life on the rock or you're going to build your life on the sand. Two choices. It's that simple. Isaiah chapter 28. Let's look at verse 16. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion a foundation, a stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a pure foundation, he that believeth shall not make haste. <clears throat> the message this morning simply is a sure foundation. A sure foundation. In, the, in this prophetic verse um, about Christ, we are given five reasons we should build our house upon the rock. Five reasons why God is saying, hey, if you build your life on Jesus Christ, these are five reasons to do that. 
the first one. He is the foundational stone. He is the foundational stone. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation, a stone. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 9 to 11, For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building, according to the grace of God which is given unto me. As a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and other buildeth uh, thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. I love the song, My Hope is Built on Nothing Less. You want me to sing it for you? No, yeah, solo, you can't hear me, right? Yeah. <laughs> but I want to read the, the first verse and, and chorus of this incredible song. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ, my righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. He's the foundation stone. Jesus came not to condemn. John chapter 3 and verse 17, God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Jesus himself said in Luke chapter 19 and verse 10, for the son of man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Now, I I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but the fact is, because he is my foundation stone, I can trust him with my life. You know, let let me ask you a question. How many of you live in a in a in a building, house, apartment, any any kind of a building? Raise your hand if you live in a building. Okay, all right. <clears throat> question. Okay, Chris back here is a is a pretty smart guy. Okay. <laughs> I, I think he's smart. He's kind of ugly, but he's smart. Okay? <clears throat> okay? Chris, how do you know, because you lived in that house for over 20 years, right? Okay? How do you know that house has a foundation? Have you ever seen it? Okay? You were there when they built it, probably. Okay? All right. I asked the wrong person. <laughs> okay? Normally, most people would say, no, I've never seen my foundation. But how do you know it's there? <laughs> well, I, like I said, I asked the wrong guy. Uh, uh, how, do, how, do you know, how do you know your house has a foundation? Because, be, because your house hasn't fallen down. <laughs> I'm not going to win that one. I'm just not going to win. But hopefully everybody else gets the idea. Those of you that live in a building that is not falling down, you know that there's a foundation based on the simple fact that it is still standing. And the fact is, we, we don't always know 
and I'm just being human here. How many of you have ever, ever experienced a season in your life where you, where you have questioned the presence of God in your life? We've all been there. But the reality is, he's always been there. And he's always going to be there. He is, he is the foundation, the foundation stone in my life. My life is in his hands. In John chapter 10 and verse 20 to 30, And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. And that the, that the picture here is an incredible picture of the, the power and the, 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 eternal, the eternal ability to keep you in God's hands. And it, 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 the picture is here. Uh, Jesus, when we get saved, it, it is said, Jesus says, I put you in my hand, and I am in my Father's hand. That's the picture. The eternal picture that God has. He is my foundation stone. I can trust him with my life. Number two, he is the proven stone. <clears throat> Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, behold, I lay in Zion a foundation, a stone, a tried stone, or a proven stone. The word proven means to, to put to the test, or uh, a, a tried stone, it's the same thing. The word tried, proven, it's the same thing. It has been put to the test. Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through, 4, 1 through 10 says this, then, then was Jesus led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted or to be tested or to be tried or to be proven of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was Afterward, a hung uh, a, 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 and hungered, and when the tempter came to him, he said, "If thou be the Son of God, command these stones to be made bread." But he answered and said, "It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God." Then the devil uh, taketh him upon uh, up into the holy city. And seeth him, uh, excuse me, and setteth him on a pinnacle in the temple, and said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, as it is written, and he shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands <clears throat> uh, they shall uh, bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. And Jesus said unto him, As it is written, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Again, the devil taketh him up into the exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them and saith unto, them, unto him, All these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said unto him, Get thee behind, get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. 
See, Jesus was tested. He was put to the test. And every, every time Satan tends, test, tested him, he answered him or he replied to him with Scripture. At Jesus' weakest point came the testing. After 40 days of fasting and prayer, And I'm here to tell you, the testing in your life will come in the same way when you're at your lowest, when you're tired, when when it seems like everything's coming in all at one time and the pressures of life are bearing down on you. That is when Satan will come and test. And Satan tested Jesus with the same three temptations that we are tempted with. You say, you say, but how how can how can how can I say that Jesus was tempted just like we are? Because Jesus did not have to deal with the internet, did he? Okay, Jesus didn't have to deal with the uh, addictions of of uh uh well, I guess there was alcohol then, um, but drug use, or the addiction to video games, and the and the addiction to the to the things that we have to deal with today, many things. But but the reality is this: he was tempted the same three ways we are today: the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Those are the same three. Things Satan has been tempting mankind with for centuries. Nothing has changed. The only thing that has changed is the the, the things within those categories. The lust of the eyes, the, all those things, you know, addiction to pornography and video games and all those things would fall into the lust of the eyes. Wanting what I want, what I see I want. The lust of the flesh, the fact that he he fasted for forty days, and then he and then he tempts him with bread after having fasted for forty days. Now, what would you know? Most of us, if we don't eat within six hours, what do we do? We tear the house apart. My wife, she knows when I'm hungry. She she says I'm grazing. I just eat everything I can see. Forty days. Can you imagine how hungry he was? So what? What is? What was the very first thing Satan did? Hey, you want a candy bar? And then the pride of life. Boy, that's a tough one. Don't we all want people to like us? Don't we all want to be popular? Sure we do. The pride of life. First John chapter 2, verse 15 and 16. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, get this, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but of the world. The same three things that Satan tempted or tried or tested or proved Jesus with are the same three things that we fight every day. 
He is the foundation stone. He's the proven stone. Number three, he is the precious stone. The word precious here has a twofold meaning. The first meaning is that it's valuable. What do we <clears throat> what do we call diamonds and rubies and etc.? We we call them precious stones, do we not? First <coughs> Peter chapter two, verse four. To whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. He was a precious stone. He was valuable. John chapter 1 and verse 14, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the only glory of the begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. He was valuable. But not only that, the second reason he was a he is a precious stone is the fact that he is because of his affection toward us affection he's precious because he loves mankind think about that first john chapter 4 Verses 17 and 19. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him. Why? Because he first loved us. See, he's precious because of his affection toward mankind. There is if there's anyone that should love Christ, it is those of us that have accepted him as Savior. Because we know what he's done for us. We know, we know what he's done for us. And we should be so grateful. So grateful because he's precious. He should be precious to us. And then number four. He is the cornerstone. Let's read verse 16 again. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion a foundation, a stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone. So not only is he precious, but he's a precious cornerstone. This this idea of a cornerstone also holds two meanings. The first one is 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 really is really incredible when you stop to think about it. It is the picture of a mediator or a a um, 
uh, an advocate between God and man. The cornerstone, picture this, a cornerstone, what does it do? It is. It holds two walls together. And it is a picture of, of Jesus Christ advocating or mediating between God and man. What a precious picture we have here of what God does in our lives. He is the one who connects God and man. Beautiful picture. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5, it says, And there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. A mediator is, a, is someone who negotiates the fact and links two parties together. It's that individual who, 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 who bridges the gap, if you would, or connects two walls together. He is the chief cornerstone. Not only is he a mediator, but he's an advocate. In, in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 1, uh, my, my little children, these things write I unto you, that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. The word advocate is a legal term. And it says a, a person who acts as a, spokes, a spokesperson or a representative of someone uh, in someone else's uh, policy, purpose, or cause, especially before a judge in the court of law. So basically, if, <clears throat> if, if you ever appear in court, hopefully you're smart enough to uh, uh, obtain uh, a, ju- uh, a judge, uh, a lawyer, okay? And what does, what does that lawyer do? He, he advocates between the judge and you. He is, the, he is your spokesperson to the judge. And every time we fall short, Jesus Christ steps in and becomes our lawyer before God and says, God, he has asked for forgiveness and I have placed my blood on, on him. I am his advocate. And God no, no longer sees my sin, but the blood of Jesus Christ, the advocate. That is the picture of the cornerstone. One of the pictures. There's another one. <clears throat> and that is that the second one is that the reference point of every building refers back to the cornerstone. I wish I had the ability to, it would take me weeks to explain to you the importance of, of the, the, the cornerstone in ancient building practices. Every, every element of the building referred back to that cornerstone. And I, I did some math this morning very, very quickly. <clears throat> and I, I, found, I figured out that uh, how much is a sixteenth of an inch? A sixteenth of an inch is just, it's about, it's about that big. And if, if a building is off, or, or a wall is off a sixteenth of an inch at where it starts... 
50 feet out, do you know how, how much it grows? It's a 16th at the beginning. Do you know how much it grows by the time you get 50 feet out? <clears throat> Almost four inches. I think it was three point something, I forget now. It was, it's over three inches. And in construction, that's huge. And it, you go and you look at some of these ancient buildings and, and, and the, the pyramids and things like that. These things were dead on the money. And how they did it, I, I, it's amazing to me. But everything referenced off of the cornerstone. It was the one thing that everything came back to. That one, that one cornerstone. It had to be perfect, square, level, plumb. Every aspect of that stone had to be perfect. Otherwise, the entire building was affected. So he is the cornerstone. I love what Paul told the Corinthian and the Philippian believers. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, in verse 1, it says, uh, uh, but ye follow me even also, excuse me, even as I also am of Christ. In Philippians, he told them, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, I reach forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. What did Paul tell these two churches? The one, the, the church in Corinth and the church in Philippi, he told them both the same thing. Hey, hey, look, my goal is Jesus Christ. That's my goal. And I, I want you to come along with me. And as I follow Christ, you follow me as I follow Christ. And, and the implication there is, if at any time I veer and I stop following Christ, then don't follow me. You keep following Christ. Because Jesus Christ is the cornerstone. He is the prize of the high calling of God. It is Jesus Christ should be our goal. It is him who is the the, the, the rock on which we stand. <clears throat> Follow Christ. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 to 21. Now therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building, fitly framed together, groweth unto a holy temple of the Lord. I don't know if you realize it or not, but the Bible is full of references to construction. And here we see a picture of Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. And because he is the chief cornerstone, we have this verse, in whom the building fitly framed together growth into a holy temple of the Lord. 
The idea here, the word, the, this, this phrase, fitly framed together, literally means uh, to be put together with, with no nails, glue, any kind of fastening system. It is put together so well, it just, it just kind of slips together and it, and it holds itself. How many of you have ever seen dovetail joints in, in, in drawers? Okay. Do you realize that the, the, when they're done properly, there's no glue, there's no nails, they just slip together. Can you, can you imagine the, 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 the craftsmanship that it would take to build an entire house like that? Well, that's what this is talking about. I've seen houses that have been uh, uh, <clears throat> back east, um, uh, you know, before the, the onset of, of, of uh, nail guns and things like that. I, I've seen houses that have been, uh, for lack of better terms, crafted together. But they still have wooden dowels and, and different things. Now, that, that, that to me is some serious craftsmanship that can, you can do that. But that's that's not what this is talking about. I mean, it's like it's like literally dovetailing your entire house together. And that is the picture that God gives us. And when we build our lives on Jesus Christ, we can have that kind of life. And then number five, He is the sure foundation. He is the sure foundation. Let's read verse 16 again. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation, a stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. He that believeth shall not make haste. A sure foundation. The word sure here literally means something that will never fail. Something that will never fail. Back a few years ago, I read an article, fascinating article, about a, a guy who built a house on the, I want to say it was on the coast of uh, Florida, uh, the Gulf Coast of Florida. And he, he was some kind of weird engineer person and and uh, he decided that he was going to build himself a hurricane-proof house. And he 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 studied everything, and 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 it was a it was a phenomenal house. It was beautiful, but um, a hurricane came through. And after the hurricane, they went down to the house, and his house was the only house standing. I mean, I mean, it, the it was just the, the the whole the whole thing was just wiped out, and here's one house standing there. And what he had done is he had done his homework, and he and he d- decided that uh, he was going to upgrade a lot of his fasteners and just different things. It, it get it, the article got pretty technical, but anyway, my point is this: <clears throat> he built a house that withstood a Category Four hurricane. 
And, and think about this. At the, at the time, I don't know about now, but at the time, the cost differential was about $40,000. So it, for what he did to the house, cost about 40000 more than had he built it in the traditional sense. We look at that and we think, wow, that's pretty cool. But what would happen if a hurricane, a, a, a class five hurricane came through? Would it still, would it still stand? Don't know. What about in 15 or 20 years? Would it still stand? 30, 40 years? Eventually, what's going to happen? Eventually, it's going to fail, right? Why? Because everything in that house is man-made. And the word sure here is a guarantee from God that it will never fail. The foundation of Jesus Christ will never fail. That is the promise. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. That is the promise. Jesus will never fail. See, I can build my house on the rock of Jesus Christ. And as life changes, as the circumstances of life come and go, and the, the storms of life, quote, kind of is what we call them, when they come and go, my life can be secure on Jesus Christ. And it will stay secure on Jesus Christ. <coughs> All other ground is sinking sand. The world today is in constant change, is it not? I mean, we, we never know. We never know what, what's going to happen. Promises are rarely kept. But Jesus never changes. In Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5, we are promised that Jesus says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Even though it may feel like he's not there, he's always there. And we often will claim the promise of Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5 because the, the, the preciousness of that promise. But in reality, that promise appears in the Old Testament before it ever appeared in the New Testament. In Deuteronomy chapter 31 and verse 6, it says, And be, be strong, and of good courage, fear not, and be not afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, he it is 
that uh, that doth go with thee, he will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. See, the promise goes all the way back to Deuteronomy. Believers have been trusting in that promise for thousands and thousands of years. That God will never leave us nor forsake us. At the, in the beginning of the message, I said this, that there is an incredible truth found in Isaiah chapter 28, verse 16, and that is, you have a foundation. But the choice is, where are you going to, what, what foundation are you going to build upon? He doesn't say you're going to build a foundation. He says you are going to build a foundation. Either it's going to be on the sand or it's going to be on the rock. It's really that simple. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. He that believeth shall not make haste. The choice is ours this morning. Are we going to build our lives on the philosophy of this world, the the, the man's wisdom and knowledge and men's emotions? Are we going to build it on the solid rock of Jesus Christ? The firm foundation. We're going to build on one of the other. What are we going to build our lives on? I trust that you will build your life on this sure foundation. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Lord, thank you for your love and for the work you do in our lives. And Lord, I I do ask that as as we bring our service to to a close this morning, is that you would speak to our hearts, that you would challenge our thinking this morning, because it is, the choice is simple, But the action is not always the easiest. Help us, dear God, to choose to build our lives on the foundation of Jesus Christ. A sure foundation. A foundation that will never fail. And Lord, as we... we Build our lives on this foundation. Lord, give us wisdom and help. Help us never to forget what you've done for us. These five principles that we learned this morning, Lord, help us to use these five things as motivation to stay true to our foundation. With every head bowed and every eye closed, let me ask you, has God spoken?